This is Hard Beautiful Journey, a safe space to be open and honest, to speak truth and harness the power of vulnerability and sharing. Unravel the strength of connecting through conversation from mental health, trauma and addictions, to grief and spirituality. This is the podcast to use your voice, because when you use your voice, you ignite your soul. I am your host, Tiffany Vaughn. Join me as I help others talk about their hard, beautiful journey. I know they will inspire you as much as they inspire me. So let's get started. Hey there, thanks for being here today for this episode of Hard Beautiful Journey. By now, you all know that I like to keep things real and vulnerable in this space, even if that makes me uncomfortable, because I know someone out there will relate. This episode is about happiness, and the last few days, I have been anything but. Along with testing positive for COVID, my mental health has taken a real nosedive for some deeply personal reasons. And to be honest with you, I'm just having a real difficult time. This recording was done a couple weeks ago, but because I've been so sick, I haven't had the energy to edit it and get it published. And to be honest, I think that was all divine at work. Because it was while editing this episode that I was reminded why I do this podcast in the first place. Because it might help even one person. And that person this time is me. If it helps you as well, even better. Who is my guest today? Well, I am so thrilled to welcome Mike Duffy to my podcast. Mike is an author, philanthropist, and founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame. The Happiness Hall of Fame is a nonprofit that recognizes special people that have advanced the cause of happiness throughout the world. The hall was founded to celebrate and encourage incredible people and organizations that might make other people happy. The hall honors notable philanthropists, athletes, authors, teachers, coaches, business leaders, artists, job creators, entertainers, charities, organizations, doctors, innovators, and people that inspire. The list of inductees is very long. Some of the inductees include Muhammad Ali, Deepak Chopra, three-time NBA champion Steph Curry, Chris Anderson, the curator of TED, Mr. October Reggie Jackson, Dr. Wayne Dyer, Serena Williams, Derek Jeter, Tony Robbins, Taylor Swift, Christy Yamaguchi, the San Francisco Giants, the Golden State Warriors, and Dolly Parton. Honestly, this is just a small sample of the inspiring people with incredible initiatives that have been inducted into the Happiness Hall of Fame. Mike is here to talk to us about the seven ways to be happier and the wisdom that he has gained from the inductees of the Happiness Hall of Fame. I loved this conversation so much. So without further ado, here is my interview with Mike. Mike Duffy, how are you? I couldn't be any better. Tiffany, how are you doing today? I am doing really good. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here with me today. Um, You are an individual that I've had on my bucket list for quite some time to have on my show, as you know, but there has been some things in life getting in, you know, in the way, but we made this happen. And I am so excited to have this conversation with you today about happiness, because that is your gem, right? That's what you're, (laughs) what you're passionate about. So I would like to um, introduce you to everybody, or you introduce yourself actually, and tell me how you started being into happiness and starting the happiness hall of fame and everything about that. Sure. Well, I like to tell folks that sometimes out of great tragedies come wonderful things. So when I was 17 years old, my beautiful mother, who looked like Sophia Loren, and she was as funny as Lucille Ball, unfortunately was taken from us. She was called home after three months of a cancer diagnosis. So we were all just devastated. She was a force. How could that force leave this universe? So 
I was always a very happy kid. I'm, I'm just happy-go-lucky. That's what my mom used to call me. And for the first time in my life, I suffered great depression. So both of my parents had a sixth grade education. They're Irish immigrants that came over in 1959 from Dublin, Ireland. They settled in Brooklyn where I was born. And so there wasn't any money for therapy, right? And back then really therapy was for crazy people, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, how am I gonna get out of this situation? How can I start to feel better again? So I went to the library. I read every single thing, both current in science and historically ancient texts on how to have more success, more happiness, and more resilience in life. I went on to get a degree in psychology. I have been obsessed with the science of happiness uh, since I was 17 years old. So about five years now. <laughs> what, what are you laughing about? No, so. I... <laughs> You got me. So, <laughs> so, you know, and what I want to tell anybody who can hear the sound of my voice is that there is a big, bright, beautiful tomorrow waiting for you if you choose to see it. That's the, the key, right? If you mm -hmm. choose to see it. Mm -hmm. So how did the Happiness Hall of Fame come about? So that's around 10 years now. And what happened was uh, I got sick and tired of reading negative news stories. You know, I'm a financial planner, wealth manager. I've worked for some of the wealthiest people in the world. And so I have to stick my head into the lion's mouth of bad news on a moment by moment basis. I simply can't ignore it. But I said, you know what, wouldn't there be a wonderful thing to happen if People and organizations who make other people happy could be celebrated, recognized, and encouraged. So I started the Happiness Hall of Fame to do just that, to bring a spotlight on people who are doing the right thing, on organizations of people who are just like me and just like you, Tiffany, who want to enjoy life and help others. That is incredible. And the people that are in inducted into this happiness hall of fame like we don't have time <laughs> to list them it's all true. right now it's true the names the people the um not just the names but the the things that they are doing to bring happiness into this world is phenomenal and in my show notes i am going to list just like a quarter of them <laughs> um but so from this happiness hall of fame you have seven ways to be happier and the wisdom that you've learned from these inductees. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Sure. We'll go, how about, we'll go through those seven ways to be happier. But as I'm, as I'm about to bring that up, I just wanted to share the latest inductee into the Happiness Hall of Fame is Richard Sherman, not the oh, football wow. player, but the two-time Oscar award winner and seven-time Oscar nominee who wrote music for Disney. They mm -hmm. were the, it was the Sherman Brothers. If Watch this movie called The Sherman Brothers. It's on Netflix, I believe. It's not on Netflix, it's on Amazon. And they were friends with Walt Disney. Walt Disney, um, every Friday, would have them into their office and Richard would play the piano. And they wrote, uh, the music for Mary Poppins. They wrote um, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, hundreds of, of amazing songs, a lot of them for Disney. And uh, even, you know, uh, it's a small world after all. The songs of my childhood. Yes. Like they, yes. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. So one of the things, here's the thing. St. Augustine a thousand years ago said it's in giving that we receive, right? Mm -hmm. I started the Happiness Hall of Fame and I was like, I want to do this, but I didn't know any celebrities. I didn't know any famous people. How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to spend two hours with Muhammad Ali and induct him personally at his museum with he and his wife? Mm -hmm. It happened. 
it happened. <laughs> There's and I photographic heard evidence that I couldn't of believe. it. <laughs> he was there holding and reading my book. How does that happen? How does that happen? Because you must take a chance. Um, but if we're going to go through these seven steps, the first thing is choose to be happy, right? Happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so now from a scientific standpoint, let me break it down. Our ancient brains from caveman days were designed to bring about negative thoughts or lizard brains very quickly so that we didn't step off a cliff, so that we didn't walk into a rose bush. So it's just, and, and that lizard brain has not gone away. Unfortunately, we don't really need all of that stuff today, but regardless, thousands of negative thoughts flood our brain on a day-to-day basis. We cannot stop them. We would love to stop them. It just can't happen. That's the way our brain works. However, you can ignore them. Mm -hmm. When the thought comes in, I don't have enough money, ignore it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Focus on how am I going to grow my career? How am I going to network with people who can help me bring abundance? Right. Mm -hmm. You, You can't dwell on the negative. You have to dwell on the possibilities. Okay. So choose to be happy. The other thing is, one of the greatest selling books of all time is The Purpose Driven Life. We must find our purpose. I'm a purpose guy. So a decade ago, over a decade ago, I sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to write out the purposes to my life. We all have multiple purposes. Mm -hmm. For you, you're a mom to three beautiful children, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And all the things that come along with life. So what I would encourage everybody to do is to become very acquainted with the notes app. If you don't have it, get it, put it on your phone and use it. And then write this formula, P plus P equals H. Purpose plus progress mm-hmm. equals happiness. That so second down, P is really important. Oh, nothing happens without action, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. We all know that. We wish that wasn't the case. Like, I why do I have to do the work? What? <laughs> we wish we didn't have to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations in order to achieve our goals. Mm-hmm. We wish we didn't have to be an advocate for ourselves and for everybody that we love, even though it's uncomfortable. But this is what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so what I did was I wrote down, be a great husband to my wife, Shannon, under the first purpose column. Be a great father to my two kids. Be a great financial advisor to my clients. And then under the progress step for my wife, I wrote, date night is every Saturday night. Now you have to take this very seriously. This is not a new year's resolution that you throw or cast by the wayside. You have to decide if you're going to be married. You have to decide if you're going to be happily married. Mm-hmm. I made the decision to be happily married. My wife doesn't fear me leaving her for anybody else. I told my wife, if she ever leaves me, I'm coming with her. <laughs> that is dedication. That is really. There's, there's, no, there's no wiggle room here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's my girl. Yeah. So. I didn't leave it up to chance. I found a website uh, and it listed all these babysitters in my area that were vetted. And then every Saturday night, like magic, they showed up at the same time. And here's the important part. And men have to understand this. When the morning of my marriage, my wedding, my father sat me down and he said, my love relationships are like this. At the beginning, you're butting heads. You each want your own way. You are selfish. But as time goes on and you're serious, you become as one. Now, when you become as one, you lose your selfishness. You don't say mean things to your partner. You do things for them that maybe you don't want to do. So I would say to my wife, where do you want to go to dinner? What movie do you want to see? Where would you like to go tonight? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that made her feel special. Mm -hmm. It reinforced any doubts that she had that this is the man for me. Right. Okay. So, and we would have a great time. We would have a fantastic time. We still have a great time. 
under be a good uh, husband, to uh, be a good father to my children, I wrote Coachman everything that they ever play. So I want to ask a question to your audience. How often do you think a 16-year-old beautiful girl says to her father in America, Dad, we have to golf more. <laughs> Every two weeks just isn't cutting it, okay? And she's gorgeous. She plays varsity golf. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of bond that you can form with your children when you sacrifice, when you get up at seven in the morning on a Saturday morning uh, to coach fifth grade volleyball, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. To coach five-year-old soccer, right? Yeah. You have to sacrifice to gain. You have to give givers gain. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Then I would say, be grateful for what you have. Uh, I would say 80% of happiness is a result of gratitude. Because when you are grateful, you are not feeling sorry for yourself. They can't exist together. Unfortunately, because of social media, you see, you know, today I was on, I was on Facebook. And I saw this beautiful house in Margate, New Jersey, right by the sea. It was Grace Kelly's house uh, that she grew up in. And it was just designed to the nines. The person who lives there is an interior designer. Beautiful backyard. And I know that most people would look at that and say, there is something wrong with my life. How come I don't have this beautiful beach house in Margate, New Jersey? Mm -hmm. I have failed. How can you be happy if you're getting upset by looking at social media, right? Mm, yeah. So be grateful for what you have. Do you have a roof that doesn't leak? Doesn't even matter if that roof is yours or it's not yours, you rent. You're not getting rained on tonight, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not in the greatest shape, but do you have conscious thought? Mm -hmm. That's something to be grateful for when you only have 10 bucks in your pocket. Yep. So... At night, what a lot of people do is they start to run all the things that went wrong in their day. They take an inventory of the near misses and the big hits. Instead of that, push all that to the left and run in your mind the smiles that you saw, the happiness you felt. Maybe did you eat something that tasted good, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So count your blessings at night. The other thing is, number four, every morning, wake up and ask yourself this one question. How can I be a blessing to somebody else? When you ask yourself that question, you see, we have the conscious mind, and we have the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind will help you get from point A to point B when you're driving. Have you ever driven somewhere? And you're like, how did I get here? I zoned out. Meanwhile, your foot is pressing the brake. You're, you're stopping at red lights. You're, you're merging on. That's a lot of that is your subconscious mind taking over while you're making a list of saying, okay, I'm going to say this to this person at work. The presentation's going this way. Your subconscious mind is getting you there. So when you make a goal, how can I be a blessing to somebody today? You're going to set yourself up for success. If you're ever in a conversation with me, I play a game. The game is to make you laugh. The game is to encourage you and to make you feel better for yourself, to smile. Folks don't know this when they get in a conversation with me, but this is my game. And either succeed or I fail, but at least I try. Mm -hmm. Okay. You uh, succeeded already with me. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh. So if you're, so, so let me tell you a story. When I started the hall, I wrote down a list of people that I wanted to be in the hall. I went for the stars. I went, I just went for the stars. There's no point in, 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 you know, oh, this guy makes a good bagel. That's somebody else's job. That's not what the purpose of this was. We should celebrate that bagel guy. God bless him. But that's not what this was. Mm -hmm. I wanted to induct people like Mother Teresa. Now, I couldn't induct Mother Teresa because unfortunately she had already passed away. But what I could do is I could recognize and celebrate her legacy. 
pro-missionaries of charity who still operate all around the world with one goal, all for the poor. Yeah. All for the poor. So I called up, the. I, I went on, I didn't know that they were in San Francisco. I, I went on their website. I saw where they were, San Francisco. I called up the convent. By the way, when I make these calls, I don't know if they're going to call me a kook or they're going to hang up the phone or they're going to think I'm trying to scam or anything, right? These are the negative thoughts that come into our head that stop us from living our best life, okay? But I did it anyway. And I spoke to a very young mother superior, by the way. She, <laughs> she said a sentence and she ended it with, right? I was like, what? So... I said, you know, we want to honor you. We, you know, because every year at Stanford University at the faculty club, we throw a big party. It's like 300 people. It's open bar. It's free. Great food. And I said, we want you to come on down and we want to give you the award. And we want you to speak about all you do for the community and the great sacri individual sacrifices that you have. And she says, let me call up India. We're not allowed to do anything without India giving the nod of approval. I said, great. Three weeks later, I get a phone call saying it's a go. However, we can't go to Stanford. But what we can do is have you come on up here and give us the award in person. I said, great. So I said to my daughter, who was nine years old at the time, Kendall, I want you to meet these amazing women. These women take a vow of poverty. They have no possessions. They have no 401k. They don't need it. But what you're going to see are some of the happiest people on earth. How does that jive, being poor but being happy? You're going to find out. So we went up there, but I've got a sweet tooth, as you can see. And I went up there with two dozen very expensive cupcakes. I wanted the nuns to have a wonderful dessert that night. So we go in, give the award, hand them of the superior the cupcakes. And she goes, oh, these are lovely. Our friends on the street will love to eat them. And she puts them down. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Sometimes in life, Tiffany, there are words or phrases that change your life for the better. Mm -hmm. It was at that moment that I stopped seeing people on the street as down on their luck and saw them as friends on the mm -hmm. street. Mm -hmm. That moment started the Happiness Hall of Fame homeless outreach. And most days I go out and I meet my friends on the street. Mm -hmm. When I walk away from them, I write down their names. I write down what medications there are. I write down what troubles and travails that they're currently in. And I pray with them right on the street. Sometimes they'll say, I don't know how to pray. I was never taught. So I teach them how to pray. Mm -hmm. I give them purpose by them praying for me. I ask them to pray for me. Believe me, I need all the prayers that I can get. We all do. So, you know, to have an army of people praying for me is amazing. Mm -hmm. And now they get to, instead of walking around with no purpose, they have a friend, they know my name. Some of them will never remember my name and yet they'll see, I'll see them every day. They're just, they were, they have a severe mental illness, but that's okay, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. be a blessing to somebody every day. The next one, is a muscle that you have to develop. And it's a hard muscle to develop. And a lot of people will say, that's it, I'm out. Turn this podcast off. <laughs> but this is gonna save your life. It's to forgive. Goosebumps. You see, one of my favorite quotes is, To have unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die of the poison you drink, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need it in your life. It's weighing you down. It's occupying space in your head that you need 
things like success to fill, that you need things like happiness to fill. So here's the trick. Are you ready for the trick, Tiffany? I'm like really ready. Let's hear it. Well, let me tell you a story. Okay. I opened up the newspaper over 10 years ago, and there was a story in the San Francisco Chronicle. And it said, most popular class at Stanford University is the happiness class. And it went on to say, Dr. Fred Luskin teaches it. And so I call up Dr. Fred Luskin. I get his voicemail. I said, hello, doctor. I'm writing a book on happiness and I'd love to interview you. Please give me a call. Fred calls me. I said, where would you like to meet? He goes, I love Chinese food. I said, great, so do I. We met at a Chinese restaurant. Fred has become one of my best friends. Fred and I have taught happiness classes at Stanford University. Do you see what can happen when you take a chance? It's called a connection. So I sit down. Turns out he's from New York. He loves basketball. He loves sports. We went to so many sporting events and annoyed the heck out of people that sit next to us because when we sit there, we're trying to solve the world's problems. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's just wonderful. And I said, I said, Fred, I said, you are known for forgiveness. You wrote the Give for Good book. You wrote Forgive for Life. Northern Ireland hired you to come in and try to solve the problem of unforgiveness in the North. Later on, by the way, the, the country of Colombia hired him to do the same. Wow. I said, I've read everything on forgiveness, but it's up here. I can't move it from my head to my heart. There are people who have hurt me on purpose, who have stunted my growth, and I cannot forgive them no matter how hard I try. Here's the trick, everybody. He said, Mike, forgiveness is a selfish act. It's selfish. You don't do it for the other person. You do it for yourself. Work with me right now, Mike. Think about somebody who you can't forgive. And I thought about an old manager who at every turn stunted my growth. And I said, I, okay, I'm thinking of that person. And he said, say these words, I forgive them. So I said, I forgive them. He goes, whether you meant it or not, you have forgiven them, something that you couldn't do in the past. Now, you have forgiven them, let them go. Feel the weight on your shoulders, go. And I said, okay, do you know that I pray for that woman every night? That's how far. In fact, forgiveness has become my superpower. I hate to say this, but I almost look forward to somebody doing me wrong because it feels so good when I forgive them. <laughs> yep. So what I'd like everybody to do right now is I'd like to think of just one person, focus on one. And I want you to say, I forgive them. Okay. Now you've forgiven them. Let it go. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to push it, pray for them. Yeah. Pray for them at night you will feel a superpower come over you. You have released it. It's done. It's forgotten. Rearview mirror, baby. Mm -hmm. I have seen that one in action in the last year. Mm -hmm. And it's, and I just spoke to my, my last guest about forgiveness and it's transformative. Yes. It's powerful. We have so much to accomplish in this life. And that is the luggage that's keeping us from going on to our next destination. Mm-hmm. The next one I would say is finish what you start, right? Procrastination is a killer. It makes you feel so bad about yourself, right? You're going to do it anyway. Not, why not just get it out of the way? Okay. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you a story about that. One of the latest inductees into the Happiness Hall of Fame is Hale Irwin. Now, for those of you that don't know, the sport of golf is 600 years old. If you are ranked the 26th golfer over the last 600 years, you're pretty darn good. Hale Irwin, when I reached out to him, called me back 
And we spoke on, I was on the sidewalk. I was waiting for Boba. I was with my family. And he calls me up and I, I look down and there's a Phoenix number. I go, hello? There's this Mike, he goes, this is Mike Duffy. He had this hell word. I couldn't believe he called me back. <laughs> and fantastic man, so kind, just the grandfather you always wanted. And I said to him, I said, Hale, I speak all around the world. And I said, especially now in COVID, I said, how can the average person overcome anxiety? We're just struck with anxiety. He goes, Mike, let me tell you a story. He goes, it's 1972. I'm on the 17th hole. All of my dreams, all of my life are now about to be realized because I just realized that I have a chance to win the US Open. My first US Open, he won three. Oldest person to win the US Open at 45 years old, but this is his first. What happens to me? I start having a heart attack. He goes, my heart started pumping out of my chest. The place is packed. I look to my right. I go, where can I have my heart attack outside of the purview of the cameras? I look to my right, packed. I can't go over there. I look to my left, even more packed. He goes, great. I'm going to be the first person to collapse on camera at the US Open. I can't believe I've, I've worked my whole life for this. And now I can get it. And I'm going to die. A voice came into his head. It was his father. And he said, Hale, I told you to finish what you started. Now you started this, now you just finish it. And he says, okay, dad, he puts his head down and he keeps his stuff together. <laughs> he wins his first US Open. Fame, wealth, riches, an easier life happened because he was having a panic attack. In 1972, nobody knew what a panic attack was. They thought it was a heart attack. Always a heart attack, yeah. Wow. So, so I am a plan for peace guy. So for those that are listening to right now who suffer from panic attacks, you need to have a plan, plan for peace. So, and, and even if you don't get them, there could be a day one day when you get them. So I want you to start right now. If you think you're going to have a, a panic attack, come up right now with thoughts that will steer you back to calmness. Okay, so have a plan for that. The next thing and the last thing, the seventh one, is to stop fearing failure. We have such a short life. One of the greatest courses I ever took was a continuing education course at Stanford University called Failure. And it was hosted by a genius professor who had taught at Stanford since the late 50s. And he realized after all of his research that failure was the thing, the fear of failure was the thing that was holding everybody back in the short but precious life. So he's like, I got to have a course, teach people to stop worrying about failure. And I'm going to call it failure. <laughs> and here was the homework, great homework. He would break up into groups of four at the end of the class. And each of us, because accountability, if, if I could go eight steps, eighth is get an accountability partner. Mm -hmm. So we would, as our little group of accountability, we would each state to the other person one thing that we were going to do before we met each other the following week that we were afraid to do. For the eight weeks that I took this course, everything that I set out to do, I succeeded, even though I was afraid. But I was with other people who were very intelligent, who understood the purpose of this course, paid the money, spent the time, actually showed up to the class. And I would say seven out of eight times, some of these people never did what they were supposed to do. And I just, I just have to think back and I, I, I have to think that the regret that they must hold today when they had the opportunity to explain away to the people that they were you know, going to be encountering, that they were going to be put in uncomfortable circumstances, they had the excuse of saying, hey, I'm in this crazy class. Can you believe it? This is what I'm trying to do. And I would really like your help in doing it. But they didn't do it. 
don't be one of those people in life that at the end of your time, the people that surround you are the ghosts of things that you never were able to do because you were afraid. So those are my seven steps. Okay. <laughs> I, honestly, I am rarely speechless and I, <laughs> like I could listen to you talk all day. <laughs> all day about thank you thank you Tim. you're such a nice person oh thank you um so what's the difference between these seven ways to be happier and your sustainable happiness formula well my my happiness form is just one of the seven steps you know but what 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 my happiness formula is it makes it it makes it very easy to to understand the concept of happiness i remember I gave a speech in front of an audience and my insurance guy was there. And at the end, he came up, Mike, that was fantastic. I love it. I have a plan for what I'm going to do when I'm retired. And I cannot wait. I have my happiness plan set. I said, great. What is it? He goes, I am going to find a hammock by the beach and I am going to drink rum from sunup to sundown. I said, stop. That is a recipe for alcoholism, which is not the path to happiness. You didn't hear a word that I said. So the hammock of, alone would be the hammock yeah. would be great. <laughs> like I, I just so so again, like you you had stopped me and said, yes, progress is the most important word there, right? So you want to have a noble purpose, first of all. That's that's what's important. You don't want to, your purpose doesn't want to be about hoarding money and screwing over people and being mean to people and having the most stuff. You want to have a noble person, a noble purpose. You want to help people. That's where the joy is. I have a friend, uh, my friend Barry, who's known as the ambassador of joy. He woke up after a very, you know, in his in his mid fifties one day, you know, a very successful business uh, in the diamond business of all businesses, right? He woke up and he couldn't move his body. He's a quadriplegic. And he's the ambassador of joy because mm -hmm. he doesn't let that, that immobility stop him. Yeah. There's always somebody worse than you. Yeah. And there's always somebody better than you. Right. Yeah. So, so write out your purposes of life. You see, Tiffany, the unexamined life is not a life worth living. Mm -hmm. Don't let your life just be a series of days, eating and drinking, sleeping, complaining. No, you've had that life. You've lived that life. Write down your goals. Benjamin Franklin said that 1% of people are successful. This is hundreds of years ago, by the way. Yeah. Only 1% of people are successful because only 1% of people write down their goals. Mm -hmm. That's why you got to get the notes out and write down 2022 goals. And then next year at the end or beginning of 2023, you know, at the end of 2022 or beginning of 2023, I this I did this on the Disney cruise. This, you know, I was I was New Year's Eve. I was on the deck of a Disney cruise. Okay, yeah. and uh, I came back in, opened up my notes app, and I looked at what my 2021 goals are. I didn't reach them all. I reached a lot of them, mm -hmm. and then I had a summation, and I wrote, "2021 was a good year." And then I wrote down all the things I accomplished. By the time I had finished with my list of things that went right, I went back and I corrected. 2021 was a very good year. So do that. You can have the life that you dream of. Just yeah. stop being so afraid. What, and what I think is important in, in that step that you just talked about is not focusing on the things you didn't do. Start with the things that you did do. Because right. some people don't accomplish any of their goals, but I don't know. I just think focusing on the negative first is just going to make you not happy and not want to make more goals, right? Going forward. No wiser words were said, Tiffany. Oh, thank you. I have another question for you. And this is a big one um, because I, I think friends are really important. Mm -hmm in the happiness of your life. Um, what's your thoughts on the correlation between friends and happiness? I think friends are God's gold, right? 
So Dr. Daniel Gilbert, who is one of the most watched TED Talks of all time, says when given a choice between losing one's eyesight or losing one's friends, most people would choose to lose their friends, but that would be the wrong choice because blind people are perfectly happy people, but friendless people are not. Absolutely. You know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, um, who when I approached him and I said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be starting this hall, I'd love you to be in it. And I explained it to him. He goes, that sounds like me. But he said that friends are God's apology for your family. Okay. <laughs> you know, before we went on the air, you said to me, Mike, how was your weekend? I said, oh, I have a fabulous weekend. I had a fabulous weekend. Let me, let me run down just, just a tiny bit of my weekend for you. Okay. So it's, it's MLK weekend. And on Saturday, I got to see my friend, Kevin. He's a big powerhouse in tech, very famous. And we golfed at the Burlingame Country Club. It was a beautiful day, sunny California weather. And whenever we get together, uh, we have a wonderful time. Yesterday, in my friend's garage with the doors open, my friend Jim, we watched, uh, you know, the, the Cowboys game and had some great laughs because we both love football. And then today at three o'clock, I'm going to be taking my friend Todd to my golf club, Green Hills, and we're going to play nine holes and it's going to be wonderful. The unifying answer to all of those was I got to see three friends this weekend, even though it was in COVID. Mm hmm. So friends are incredibly important. Now, as you get older, it gets harder to make new friends, right? Because the older you get, the more kind of the demands of family come first. But you should always be looking to make new friends because your friends will move away. Your friends will die. So I'm always looking to make new friends with quality people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I... I have found some, and I'm no spring chicken here. Okay, Mike, <laughs> I am, I'm not a spring chicken, but I have found some really important friends in the last couple of years that I don't know what I would do yes. without them. And they don't need to be in the same town as you or no. in the same province or state as you. My, one of my really dear friends is from Australia and I'm in Canada and it's the beauty of how we can connect now that uh, like it shouldn't stop you from oh. making those friends because they just bring that element of happiness and support that sometimes your family members may not be able to provide. Luckily mine do, but in some cases they don't. Right. So can never underestimate the value of friendships with your happiness and your mental health. Look, absolutely. I have an accountability partner now for a decade, my friend Tom, and very successful businessman and an amazing human being. Um, I read a meme the other day, or about three weeks ago, it said, if you got through the pandemic without buying a dog or an air fryer, you won the pandemic, <laughs> right? And I laughed. And then... I was talking to people and they were just, uh, I was talking to my, my youngest sister's husband and he's just like, air fryer, air fryer, air fryer. And I said, okay, I'm going to check out what this whole air fryer is. Do you know today I'm going to be receiving my second air fryer? I'm going to be a two air fryer family. No, you're so, not. Are you really? Yeah, oh, yes. Because the problem with an air fryer is that you have to cook in batches. So then you, you cook your protein, which it does a marvelous job at. Then it sits and it gets cold while you're cooking your vegetable. Why not have two cook at the same time? Do you have an air fryer? No. And now I'm going to go on to Amazon and check my options. Oh, oh my gosh. What a, it, it's going to change your life. Uh, life anyway, changing. Hold on a second. This... Hold on a second. I got one of those Instapots and yes. the running joke was it stuck in, it gets stayed in the box yes. for a year and a half. And I gave yes. it to my mom and dad. So is that what would happen with the no. fryer? I have the same story. I broke out my Instapot that sat in a box for a year and a half in my garage this week, last week. 
and I made pot roast and it stunk. I don't like boiled meats. I, I don't think meat should be boiled, right? So it went back in the garage. My wife goes, okay, put that back in the garage. Women are very concerned about their counter space. And I don't- Harry, oh, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> so I had to break it gently to my wife that we we're gonna become a two air fryer family. And I just think the whole thing is hysterical. But anyway, I'm talking to my, let's getting back to my accountability partner, which everybody should have and not your spouse, some one of your friends. And I had the same conversation and he brings up, oh, I read a meme that if you went through the, I go, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was funny until I got one. Okay. And then I sent him an air fryer. I, and, and, and for some reason you couldn't make it as a gift. I get a call yesterday. He goes, did you send me that air fryer? I go, yeah. And uh, I go, congratulations. You're now an air fryer person, but <laughs> he has helped me in so many facets of my life. So if you, I'm not gonna say if you have goals, you need a neutral party to hold you accountable to your goals. That's how you're gonna get there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one last thing that um, I absolutely loved and I downloaded it and it's like on my to-do list this year is the happy bags. What the heck are happy bags? Can you please tell my audience? Cause it is so cool and I want everybody to do it. Okay. First of all, thank you. Happy bags are a movement. A lot of people want to help. And by the way, Mother Teresa said, don't get overwhelmed by the numbers. Don't worry about the numbers. Help the person nearest you. A lot of us want to change the world for the better, obviously. The human nature is naturally good and kind. But people are like, well, how can I do it? How can I help the homeless situation? This is what you can do. You can go to my website, Happiness Hall of Fame. You can download, um, just, it's just on a, on a regular piece of paper, it'll say, happiness bag. Stick that to a grocery bag and then walk out. And then as you're approaching people, you know, they know what it's for. It also spreads the news. Not only are you doing something good, but it's kind of like an advertisement that, hey, you can do something good. Because when they look at it, they go, what the hell is happiness bags? They look it up and they go, oh, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll go to the dollar store, which is what I recommend everybody to do. And get socks. Homeless need socks the most. That's the most requested. Get them. Uh, Get them a can opener for a dollar. They, they love canned food. They don't have a refrigerator. And then get them cans of chunky soup. They love that. They love tuna. You know, anything healthy. Um, get them a fork and a knife. Uh, and, and that's what happiness bags are about. To kind of get the word out that you can do good, even if it's small. You know, mm -hmm. I in the back of my car, I've got a number of bags. It's kind of like, you know how Kim Kardashian is being followed by paparazzi no matter where she goes? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm like paparazzi when it comes to homeless people. I'll be <laughs> driving down the road, I'll pull off, I jump out, I hand them bags, you know? Yeah. It's just like, I will see somebody homeless if I'm not in my car, like walking down the street. I will chase after them like the paparazzi <laughs> chafes for Kim Kardashian. I yell, my friend, my friend. They turn around like, well, I don't have any friends. I, how you doing? What's your name? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what brings me joy. That is so beautiful, Mike. Oh my goodness. And I challenge everybody listening right now to go and look at this tag that you can download on the happiness project, right? It's a www.happinesshalloffame.com. Okay. Go to that website, download this um, thing that you can attach to a bag. It's bright. It's yellow. You won't miss it. And do this today or at least sometime in the future and then let me know what you've done and I'm going to let everybody know what I've done as well because if we can help one person feel happier every day then that is what we are here for is to make people happy including ourselves right and yes. when you help other people you make yourself happy too that's right that's right Tiffany that's so kind of you to say that oh you're so kind <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> where can people find you, Mike? Because I need everyone to know where they can find you. Well, thank you for asking. Um, if, if your company or your organization, your school is looking for a ray of sunshine, 
a person who's going to bring a message of hope and happiness and the toolkit to get you there. Go to MikeDuffySpeaks.com. I speak all around the world and I speak virtually as well. So, um, and I just, it brings me such great joy and I always get five-star reviews. So MikeDuffySpeaks.com. If you want to go and look at some of the videos of the people who've been inducted into the Happiness Hall of Fame, go to HappinessHallofFame.com. Wonderful. Um, so I end every episode with what I'm grateful for. And I ask you what you're grateful for. So today I am grateful for honestly, the happy bags, um, because it's something as a busy person, you've laid it out what you can do for somebody and you've made it easy for somebody to do that. And so I am grateful for the happy bags today and the purpose behind the happy bags. What are you grateful for today? Well, okay. That just warms my heart. I, I cannot tell you. You remember the Grinch at the end of the Grinch? His heart goes from the size of the walnut till he busts the meter. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel when you were saying those words. I'm grateful for you, Tiffany Vaughn. I'm grateful for people like you who take the time to spread the word that life is beautiful. Thank you. It is beautiful. Yes. It can be, that's my thing that I always say, it can be very, very hard, very challenging, but it can also be so beautiful. And that is what you are doing. And that is what I am doing. And we just need more people to do it every day. I agree. This has been so fantastic. I am so grateful again for your time. And yeah, everybody go check out Mike Duffy. Thank you. Have I ever told you how much I love laughing? It's honestly the thing that I think the world needs more of. Well, that and love, of course. When I re-listened to this episode and I heard Mike make me laugh out loud, I was reminded that I was going to be okay. This tough time that I'm going through, it too shall pass. And there will be beauty on the other side. Thanks, Mike, so much for this reminder. I'm busy at work getting my coaching program built and... I'm also hard at work writing my first book. I've got a chapter under my belt and I'm so motivated to get this out into the world by the end of this year. All the positive energy that you can send my way would be so appreciated. I am so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this episode and your support of my podcast means the absolute world to me. Please make sure and subscribe. And if you really like what you hear, please leave a comment and share with your family and friends. Thank you again, Mike, for bringing your happiness to my podcast. You are such a beautiful light in this world. And this world is better because you're in it. Until next time, please be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.